Lauren. Mike. Lauren, do you have gas? Okay, we, like we're close as podcast hosts, <laughs> <laughs> but we're not this close. We're not talking about gas. Are you talking about gas stoves? I am indeed okay. asking if you have okay. a gas yes, stove. Yes, I do have a gas stove and I also have a gas car, right. which I know, I know. I'm, you're giving me that look, but sometimes I give you a ride to work. So. All right. Well, that's not the type of gas that we're talking about. We're talking about okay. natural gas. Okay, fair enough. And what exactly are we talking about? Well, let me ask you this. Have mm -hmm. you ever felt the pressure to get rid of your gas stove? I have entertained the thoughts of it, but one, I am a renter, and two, I kind of like the gas stove. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the same boat. Okay. Let's talk about it. Yes, let's do this. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. And I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. And we are also joined by Wired staff writer Amanda Hoover. Hello, Amanda. Hi. Great to be here. All right. Great to have you. If you're not up to speed on the latest culture war, well, I'll break it down for you. Everybody is mad about gas stoves. They're fired up. <laughs> they are. They're sizzling. <laughs> it has sparked a conversation. The conversation is getting hot. Yes. It turns out that using gas to heat your home and cook your oatmeal may not be the best thing for the health of the environment or the health of nearby humans. This is not new information, but a recent study about how gas stoves can cause asthma in children and release toxins into the air has sparked a fresh debate about these appliances. Amanda, you wrote a story for Wired about how this debate is <clears throat> heating up. Oh, yes. I'm going to fire whoever wrote this script. <laughs> Before we get into the insane political angle surrounding the debate over gas stoves in the homes, what is the actual problem that people are talking about? Are gas stoves really that unhealthy? There's been some research that shows that gas stoves are, like you said, bad for the environment and possibly bad for your health if you're living in a home with one. Um, they release methane which is a greenhouse gas. They release methane even when they aren't on. Some studies have shown that they're just constantly leaking this out into houses and then out into the environment. Um, additionally, where studies have shown that they could be dangerous to your health, uh, there was a recent one in the end of last year that found that gas stoves could be responsible for almost 13% of cases of asthma in kids in the U.S. That's been a similar study in Australia in recent years. They found about 12.3% of childhood asthma cases might be attributed to gas stoves. Um, additionally, they release benzene, which is a known carcinogen. The thing that we don't know, really, this hasn't been looked at for direct health impacts over long periods of time. And an expert I spoke to said that would be a kind of study that could be really useful to track how living with a gas stove for many years could influence your health. Because right now, what they found is they've kind of targeted the chemicals that are coming out of gas stoves into your, your home and at what rates and connecting those to what that actually means for your health for living with one. Um, there's still a bit of a gap there, aside from these asthma studies that have recently come out. Amanda, the studies you're referencing are mostly out of the U.S. You did mention Australia as well. I'm wondering how mm -hmm. U.S.-centric is this conversation? Uh, because we know people in less developed countries also suffer health issues from fire-based stoves and poor ventilation. Um, but this seems like very specific to places where people have like the stove infrastructure where they have gas stoves with natural gas. The way that it came up last week definitely was because it came up among U.S. politicians who started arguing kind of along party lines. Republicans really saw this as this could be overreach to tell people whether or not they could have gas stoves or not. Um, you have environmentalists and some more liberal politicians uh, kind of, you know, just pointing out the issues here. 
right now, like no one's trying to come in and take away everyone's gas stoves. And that's how the conversation kind of came across on Twitter. Um, There have been in certain liberal cities like San Francisco and Seattle and New York, uh, there have been bans on certain like gas appliances in new constructions and attempts to make those electric. But the conversation seems to mostly be happening like in the U.S. recently. So it wasn't just the report that I'm going to keep using this word and I apologize, sparked. It wasn't just the report (laughs) that sparked the debate. It was politicians who were getting involved in the conversation and people pointing out that in some cities there are some laws starting to come down that are banning new gas stoves. Yeah, it started because the um, U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, a commissioner from there, um, you know, did an interview with Bloomberg saying that there was a hidden hazard in stoves. Anything would be on the table, including a ban if products couldn't be made safe. The chair of that agency walked that back later. Um, It was reported that President Joe Biden is not in favor of a ban on gas stoves, but (laughs) the the conversation had already sort of got gone off the rails a little bit on Twitter and among um, also like there was segments on Fox News where people were talking about how much they love their gas stoves and didn't want them taken away. So it became this political issue when it hadn't really been framed quite in that way before. Yeah, he had to use that word ban. Uh, a ban is on the table. Mm-hmm. And of course, in, in Washington, you know, uh, language is super important because if you even hint that something is possible, then that causes everybody to sort of spiral to the worst possible conclusion. So the thing that was most alarming to me uh, in this report, which is something that I hadn't heard before, was that gas stoves leak toxic gases even when they're not in use. Can you tell us more about this? Yeah. A researcher who has done multiple studies on gas stoves found that in particular they're leaking methane even when not used. That you know, I think the emissions are higher when the stoves are on, but certain stoves that he went and looked at and measured them, he found that the methane was leaking potentially all the time. And the advice is, of course, to use a fume hood over the stove to uh, anytime you're using it to turn on the the hood that exhausts the gases and anything else coming out of the stove out of your home. Uh, But not everybody has fume hoods. (laughs) Yes. And some of them just blow the air back into your home, which I went and looked at mine after doing this reporting. And I realized that I could feel where the air was coming back right into my apartment directly above my stove. Um, So that brings into question, you know, how helpful or useful they are. And of course, some people have their burners, you know, like out on an island counter, places where they don't have those hoods. I've seen kitchens like that as well. So not everyone has those. Um, And there are a couple of potentially other things that you can do to lessen all of these chemicals hanging out in your home as you cook and after you cook. Um, But getting an electric or an induction stove would lessen, you know, the risk even more. So was there any discussion about other gas appliances in this research, things like water heaters, because most of us have, you know, gas powered water heaters in our homes also? I Most of this really looked at stoves. Um, as I was reporting this story, I did see, you know, some mention of that. The thing with those is that they aren't like directly in your kitchen where you're standing over them. Yeah breathing in um, and turning them on, you know, multiple times a day where you have your family members around. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with more Stove Talk. All right, let's put the political debate about gas stoves on the back burner for a moment and oh talk about <laughs> I told you, I don't know who wrote the script if it wasn't me. Oh my God. 
Let's talk a little bit about what normal people like you and I can actually do about this. And the first thing we should clear up is if you have a gas stove in your home right now, is the government going to force you to replace it? Amanda, please tell us. Not right now. Um, That is something I think that would be incredibly unpopular and not even just for conservatives. Um, Replacing your gas stove can be expensive. You know, it's something that people can consider if they, one, own the home and two, have some, you know, potentially disposable income to make this change right now. Uh, Replacing a perfect uh, an appliance that seems to work perfectly well, I think, doesn't appeal to many people. But the government is not coming for anyone's stoves um, because even local bans that have happened have really focused on future construction. And on the flip side, there are some places that have passed laws that would prevent cities from implementing natural gas bans. So you have certain cities, you know, wanting to move to electric and you have others that are not pushing in that direction. And let's say that you wanted to replace your gas stove right now, not necessarily because your city is mandating it, just because you're a conscientious consumer. How much would that actually cost? The ranges alone can, for an induction, can cost around like $1,100 to $4,000. Um, they can get more expensive as well. Electric options can be a bit cheaper, around $500, $600 starting out, but they are a bit less efficient than the induction stoves. So some of that cost, you know, you might incur in your bills over time. And that's just for the range. I believe there would also have to be, you know, the labor and the rewiring and resetting up your home for all of this, which could then vary as well. Right. So it's, you know, to get a nice induction range, which is what people like as a replacement to gas because so many people like to cook with their gas stoves, um, that's it can be pretty pricey. Yeah. And to be clear, like, you know, there are there are, like you said, there are regular electric ranges, which are sometimes called radiant electric. Uh, That's a new word that people are using to differentiate an electric stovetop from a cooktop that uses induction cooking, which is also electrical method, but uses non radiant energy to heat whatever's on it. Um, Also, with an induction stove, you know, you have to make sure that your pans are compatible Uh, so there are people who maybe use old cookware that, uh, most cookware now is induction friendly, but if you have something that's like 10 or 15 years old, um, like your favorite casserole dish may not be usable on an induction cooktop. So you have to buy a new pan on top of that. Mm -hmm. So there are some additional costs associated with making the switch. Um, that said, you could keep things cheap and just get a radiant stovetop. And those are, you know, as cheap as five, six hundred dollars for for a nice one, uh, and they can also get a little bit more expensive than that. But I think that's probably more the starting cost. And isn't a lot of our electricity not exactly coming from clean energy anyway? Like a good percentage of our electricity is actually coal powered. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I have to say, I had an electric stove when I was in grad school, which is an apartment I ended up staying in for several years, and it took like I'm being mildly dramatic here. Like an hour to make pasta. <laughs> it just took so long to heat up a big vat of water. Yeah. You know, I think the 
electric cooktops that most people have had experiences with are from like the previous generation of electric cooktops. This definitely was. Yeah, probably something from the 80s or the 90s. And, you know, it has that coil. Yes, that, and they're kind of mm-hmm. unbalanced. They're uneven. Yeah, you yeah. put something on it and it sort of lists. <laughs> yes. And it takes a while to, to heat up. But I can say that, you know, the new radiant heat cooktops, which usually have a glass panel mm-hmm. and then the coil is beneath a glass panel mm-hmm. so you don't have that yeah. listing effect. Yeah, my mother has one of those. Those are remarkably efficient. Uh, I'm not saying energy efficient. They, they're they not as energy efficient as an induction cooktop. But right, but they, they're cook efficient. Yeah, they, they're much faster at boiling water, for example, to use your example. Right, and you can, I mean, presumably the, the pan is being heated up more evenly too. Yeah, yeah. Those are, you know, those are fancy. They're more expensive. Would you ever switch... We've both established that we're renters, but would you ever switch to induction? So I have a gas stove now that I love. Uh, The oven's not great, but the cooktop is fantastic. And it's definitely showing its age. Uh, It's getting kind of rusty. Uh, It's creaking a little bit. You know, I I don't really feel like it's going to be safe that much longer, but I do rent. I have considered replacing it, but I know that if I ask my landlord to replace it, they're going to get like the cheapest thing on sale at Best Buy this week and toss it in there and I'm not going to be happy with it. So I have considered like spending my own money on an induction cooktop just to swap out the one that is probably not safe anymore and then just eating the cost, using it as long as I live in that place and then just leaving it there when I move. That'd be very kind of you. <laughs> what about <laughs> what about you, Amanda? I rent as well. Um, I have a gas stove a couple of weeks ago, actually, they thought my gas stove was leaking carbon monoxide into my apartment oh, because no. my detector kept going off. Oh, it no. turned out that it was the laundromat on the street level. So <laughs> for a little while, it looked like I was going to get a new stove. They had said, you know, like the gas company came and they put a tag on my stove and they were like, this is deadly. Um, it turned out that it was not going to immediately kill me and it was actually the laundromat. But that was my adventure with my stove recently. Big city living. Yeah, and I guess you can't yep. like ask your landlord to replace the laundromat. <laughs> no, it took them like four days to even. Well, it took maybe about a week, but after it became a severe crisis, it took them days to even realize it was the laundromat. Well, we're so. glad you're okay. It happened at uh, Christmas, so I was actually out of my house. Oh. And Amanda, are there any tax credits or rebates that people can look into if they are looking to replace their gas stoves right now? Yes, so there are some rebates available. Um, Under the Inflation Reduction Act, for people who are looking to replace their cooking appliances with electric ones, these might range from up to $840 for new cooking appliances and maybe another $500 to help cover the cost of converting from natural gas to electric, because that's another thing to keep in mind that you have to do as well. Yeah. What do you think, Mike? Does that make it more palatable for you to pay for this, even though... Uh, your landlord really should be paying for it? Yeah, certainly. I mean, what I would really love to happen is to have a conversation with my landlord about what type of stove I would like and ask them to pay for it and then give them the rebate. <laughs> mm. I have a feeling how my conversation with my landlord would go. What? How, how would that go? I Well, first of all, I'd have to catch her in between like the 17 podcasts that she's taping. <laughs> and then I would ask her and she'd go, no. And that would be it. That'd be the end of it. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people just don't want to give it up, right? Because cooking with gas is very convenient. It's, it's as we said, it's fast. It also offers like a precision that you often can't get. Like when you turn the heat down, the heat actually turns down. It doesn't slowly go down over the next five or six minutes. 
once you've used a stove that does that for you, it's hard to give it up. What do you think it says about our current culture that gas stoves have hit the cultural zeitgeist? Yeah, I think where this is, you know, kind of coming down is we've seen Republicans really oppose a lot of things in President Biden's agenda, including um, his support for electric vehicles. And to me, this kind of seems to fall along similar lines. You know, people enjoy using their gas stove. They don't want to be told how they should cook um, and they don't want to be told how they should drive and what they should drive. So it seems to be a debate that is pretty similar to that. And it's just it's another way to pick at this um, environmental agenda. Well, I can't wait until uh, the research paper comes out that says that Americans should stop eating so much meat (laughs) (laughs) so we can start this all over again. Wait, are you are you vegan? No comment. <laughs> it comes up every podcast now. <laughs> okay, let's take a break. <laughs> and when we come back, we'll do our recommendations. All right, this is the last part of the show where we all share our recommendations for things that our listeners might enjoy. Amanda, as our guest, you get to go first. What is your recommendation? I have been unable to stop listening to this podcast, um, Normal Gossip. In it, um, the host and a guest just walk through this anonymous story uh, that is a crazy thing that's happened to people that they don't know and we don't know. So you get kind of the thrill from gossiping without any of the guilt because you (laughs) almost definitely won't know any of these people. Uh, It's kind of funny because it's pretty specific, even with changed names. So if it was about you, you could probably tell. But it's very funny. Um, They talk a lot about the ethics of gossip and the history of gossip as well. So it's been very interesting. That's awesome. And what's it called? Normal Gossip. Normal Gossip. What's one of the more memorable stories you've heard? They're so like intricate and complicated that I could not possibly tell it in less than a half an hour, which is what they do. (laughs) But um, there are people who have spats over what is the best type of yarn to be using and how that unravels. There's been crazy like bridesmaid stories and drama and pettiness um so there's something in there for everybody who wants the thrill of gossiping without any of the guilt i love it that sounds perfect (laughs) lauren what's your recommendation my recommendation this week is something that's being gently reused from another podcast we taped i'm recommending that if you have new health and fitness goals this year because it is january it is time for such things don't buy a year-long gym membership. There are so many options out there now where you can like dip your toe in. You can buy a handful of classes somewhere. I just signed up for a new gym in San Francisco where I was able to spend less than $100 and get 15 passes to try it. And this place has like a pool and basketball courts and things that I wasn't getting from my other gym. So I'm going to give it a try, but it's no commitment. If you sign up for a year-long gym membership, you often have to pay an activation fee. You might have to pay a cancellation fee when you discover that you're not using it. And let's be honest, sometimes (laughs) our adherence to our New Year's goals is a little bit low, like we fall off by March or so. There's also things like ClassPass now, where you can just dip your toe into different classes around your neighborhood and try things out before you make a firm commitment. So that's my recommendation this week, is not to go like all in, just dip your toe in, try different things. The year is still new. You don't have to make any big decisions just yet. So get the the five class yoga pass instead of the 20 class yoga pass. Yeah, absolutely. And do it while your flex spending and your health savings accounts are still flush. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. my recommendation. Nice. Yeah. How about you, Mike? 
I'm going to recommend an audiobook. Uh, you have you have to bear with me. Uh, so it's The Dharma Bums by Jack Kerouac, the novel from 1958, as read by Ethan Hawke. I love it already. Yeah. So <laughs> I know this is like very duty, but I was uh, a big Jack Kerouac fan when I was a young man. Uh, and then I gave him up for a really long time just because there are other things out there to be obsessed with. And I haven't read The Dharma Bums since like legitimately my early 20s. So I'm revisiting it now a full lifetime later. And uh, the writing is fantastic. It's a really great book. You know, I, I don't know why I ever left this guy behind, but uh, it's the audiobook, which is like, I think the only audiobook available that's read by Ethan Hawke is just fantastic. Like, I really hope that Ethan Hawke won a Grammy for this because it's really good. Uh, he gets way into it. And he really brings out the best in the writing uh, and he brings out all the different sort of character voices, uh, not in an annoying way, but in a very, uh, a very tastefully performed way. So, yeah, regardless of how you feel about Jack Kerouac and regardless of how you feel about Ethan Hawke, I would recommend giving it a shot. Uh, it's, a, it's a really great way to re-experience something that I'd forgotten I actually liked. I would listen more for the Ethan Hawke than the Jack Kerouac. Yeah, that's that's what I thought, too. But just hearing him read the prose, I was like, wow, that is some good writing. I nice. really got into it. I'm, I'm still you know, almost done with it. I think I have an hour left. It's like a seven-hour audiobook. So yeah, it's a, it's a good one. What are you using to listen to it? Libby. Audible? Oh, Libby. Libby. Right. Yep. Which you've recommended on this podcast before. Yep. The, uh, the free uh, audiobook yeah. app that ties into your library card. So if you don't have a library card, get one and then get Libby. Are we like in Brooklyn right now? You're talking about like... The library, Ethan Hawke going vegan, induction cooking, induction cooking. <laughs> no, I love it. I think I think you mean San Francisco. Oh, yeah, that's true. These are all of our San Francisco values. I watched Glass Onion this week. Finally, loved the cameo by Ethan Hawke. Was a little bit disappointed that he didn't show up more. But he's oh. the guy who meets them at the dock yep. and shoots the anti-COVID thing into their throats. Yep. That was hilarious. The whole thing was hilarious. Yep. And then he just disappears. That was good. That was great. <laughs> Okay, well, that is our show for this week. Thank you, Amanda, for being on the show and telling us all about cooking with gas. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's sure. been a gas. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an inductive loop. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you all for listening. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes. Our producer is Boone Ashworth, and we will be back next week. Until then, goodbye. Hi, everyone. Michael from Gadget Lab here. I want to tell you about our friends over at The Big Take podcast from Bloomberg News. Each weekday, they bring you one important story from their global newsroom, like how AI will upend your life or why China's targeting the U.S. dollar and maybe how Joe Biden plans to take on Donald Trump. Oh, boy. Check out The Big Take, a daily podcast from Bloomberg, wherever you listen.